Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. Did you know you can create personalised bets with Bet365? So if you fancy Leicester to beat Chelsea this weekend and Ian Nacho to score for a third game in a row, Bet365's Bet Builder lets you calculate the odds for any game. It's right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Well, welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. And unfortunately, we were hoping to be reflecting on a potential trip to to Wembley, but uh, after the defeat, the last gasp defeat at Villa Park, um, it's not to be. And I'm sitting opposite the last Leicester City uh, captain to raise a domestic cup above his head, Matt Elliott, who was at Villa Park last night as well. Matt, desperately disappointing, wasn't it, for Leicester? It's been 20 years since uh, Leicester got to a major cup final. and We thought this was going to be um, the end of that barren spell, but not to be. Yeah, unfortunately, that's going to remain the case. That's that you just mentioned there for, for at least a little while yet. Yeah. There's still the FA Cup to entertain. But um, yeah, hugely disappointing, wasn't it? For for a number of reasons, really. When you look at look at the two legs as a whole, I mean, you've got some stats <laughs> in your mind. Unbelievable. Yeah, Leicester had about 43 efforts on goal in the two games. I think they had 12 on target. The keepers had a blinder in both games, as in Ireland. And uh, yeah. when you look at Villa, I think Villa had four shots on target in both uh, legs and they scored three goals. Yeah, it's not a bad little ratio, is it? And, you know, in some ways you have to hold your hands up or tip your hat to Aston Villa for that. They you know they went to try and do a job in both legs, didn't they? And they, they approached the game in a manner which suited them at this moment in time. And they pulled it off. Leicester just, for one reason or another, didn't quite have enough. You know, when, when you look at it, those stats you just mentioned, you know, you could say Leicester weren't clinical enough, ruthless enough, which I think is an element of truth. To an extent, I think not played into Villa's hands, but I think they they allowed them to to hurt Leicester um, a little too easily at times, really. You know, in, in particular, last night at home, you know, on that right-hand side of Leicester, Villa's left. Their main danger area, or danger man in particular, Jack Grealish, assisted by a target, uh, caused them all sorts of problems, particularly in the first half. And uh, they paid the price for it, really, didn't they? You know, with the goal that target got. And I just uh, I just thought it was avoidable in terms of employment of personnel. Like, there was no one on that right-hand side. Villa were constantly using it as an outlet. But many things transpired, didn't they? The, the VAR, or lack of, decision there. Bizarre one. I'd love to know the truth on that. Exactly oh, yeah, what happened. That, we'd like to look into that, whether they were looking at the wrong, <laughs> the wrong footage it, when they it first reviewed the it. It way, didn't it? Because yeah. the screen, you know, the screenshots that I saw, was they, they were referring to the incident that happened about, I don't know, three or four seconds later, which wasn't a penalty, quite clearly. The first one, I have to say, and the majority of people I've spoken to are in agreement, and it's not just with you know, your blue tinted glasses on, that, that was a penalty. And, well, in um, the current climate, it certainly is, isn't yeah, it? His I hands th- away from his was. body. Took yeah, his hand head. was up there. You know, you, I know you've got to put your hands somewhere, don't get me wrong, but they don't have to be six to nine inches away from your face, up that high, 
you know, it was an unusual position to to have your hands in. And um, for all intents and purposes, that that was a penalty. Would it have gone in or not? I don't know. Unlikely with the form that Nyland was in, because he was exceptional, wasn't he, for the second game running? But Villa hung in there, and I don't know. You just got the feeling it was going to be their night, really. I I know that's probably easy to say in hindsight, but Leicester went close many times but not often close enough. And just little things, like there was one tackle in the first half. I think Leicester had a shot. Two Villa players blocked it. It looked like it was going to go off for a corner. It's 30 yards, it's travelled from the deflection, hit the corner flag and stayed in play. Villa picked it up. Just little bits. I'm thinking, yeah. is it going to be like that tonight? And proved to be the case. Well, I wrote in my in my piece, which will appear in on the, uh, the Athletic website, that at no stage over the two games did I think that Leicester City were outplayed. No. But I thought last night at times they were out four. That little bit of desire just to, to go that, travel that extra yard. I mean, Damari Gray to close down El Mohamedi's cross in the last minute of, of the game. And then Ricardo getting caught under the ball a little bit for Trezeguet's finish at the back. And then obviously the first goal as well. Do you, do you feel that, I mean, obviously technically Leicester mm. are a more talented side than Villa, but I think their desire shone last night. Yeah, certainly a gritty performance, wasn't it? For over the two legs, really. You know, they set their stall out at the King Power. But it, it wasn't just backs to the wall, though, was it? They, they always did carry that little bit of... Down threat, the left they did, didn't they? Particularly down the left, yeah. You know, primarily through that man Grealish. But, th- th- yeah, there was an, an energy, sort of an aggression or a purpose about their play in both legs. They weren't just showing up shot and hoping to nick one. You know, it, they were better than that, I feel. But, yeah, Leicester, greater quality. I, Leicester would probably contest the fact that, you know, there was more desire and commitment from Villa. Maybe it was just the style of play that sort of accentuated that, maybe. But overall, there's not too much to complain about. But it's, you just feel it's a missed opportunity. I mean, one, semi-finals don't come around too often anyway. But even rarer is a semi-final, a major trophy for the likes of Leicester City when they're favourites. And the fact that the chance has been missed is pretty galling. Well, where's this leave, Leicester? Because obviously you experienced uh, cup final disappointment in 1999. And I know, speaking to several of that generation, that they galvanised them to go on and win it in <laughs> 2000, a year later. And Brendan Rodgers, and I, I remember asking you about this for an article, which is, should be appearing on The Athletic today, about Brendan Rodgers' legacy as Leicester City manager. I mean, he's not even completed a, a, a year yet. No. He's not completed a full season. But... It feels like this side has got a bit of longevity about it. It can sort of sustain some level of success. What would be success? What would be Brendan Rodgers' legacy of manager of Leicester City? Surely well, it's got to be a bit of silverware, has it? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's some achievement, isn't it, in the in English football? You know, the Premier League, I know Leicester have achieved that three, four years ago, but, uh, you know, well, certainly this season looks beyond them. Uh, and down the line, you think it's only going to get tougher. So, you know, that leaves just two cup competitions. And as we've seen, this is the first semi-final Leicester appeared in for 20 years. That's how difficult it is. Uh, but he'll be hugely disappointed. But already he's spun it round, Brendan Rodgers, hasn't he? And saying, OK, we'll use this as that motivation that you just mentioned there as a something that will add to the determination to make sure we're in the mix again pretty soon. Um the FA Cup is obviously there's involvement there, but uh, and and use it you know, not to not to sort of knock knock the players back a bit, give them that extra resolve, to, like it did to an extent with us. You mentioned that, like we we've, 
we messed it up basically in 1999. We got through to the final against Tottenham, the big club, bigger players, etc. But we fancied ourselves. And we actually went and beat them two or three weeks later at White Hart Lane in the league. And with some sort of perverse revenge, if you like. But we, um, we got it wrong. And Tony Cotley, for instance, is an example, was in tears at the end of the game at Wembley. Um, because he, he thought, believe it or not, it was, it was one of, or his last chance to actually win a trophy. He'd never won a medal in the career that Tony had. That's how difficult it is <laughs> to be successful. Um, Martin O'Neill walked up to him on the pitch, put an arm around him, said, don't worry, Tony, we'll win it next year. And Tony didn't really believe him at the time, but as things turned out, that proved to be the case. So it was extra sweet. And I think that will be the case for this group of players because they've got lots to look forward to. Even this season, there's plenty to play for still. Well, to emphasise your point there, if you look at City's history, there's only three managers that have ever lifted a trophy, of any of senior trophy of any kind. Yeah. In Matt Gillies in 64, the League Cup, the two League Cup triumphs under Martin O'Neill, which were the only ever cup final victories at Wembley for, for Leicester City, and then Claudio Ranieri winning the Premier League title in 2016. That's how difficult it is to win silverware when Leicester City have been around since 1884, yeah. and that's all the, the sum total of their success. Yeah, there you go. I mean... I get involved to take supporters around sometimes on ground tours out of the King Power and take them into the director's lounge where the trophy cabinet is. And it's not that plentiful. <laughs> you know, you, and you go in there and obviously the main one has been achieved, the one that no one expected Leicester City to do. So that takes pride of place. But around it, there's not too much silverware, really, in truth. It, there is that frustration you know, an opportunity of what might have been. I know people say the likelihood it was Man City probably in the final, Man United. I have something to say about that. Um, the difficulty is that that brings. But uh, listen, you never know. You never know, do you? And um, Aston Villa are already talking about uh, runners-up medals, etc. aren't they, <laughs> after their trouncing by Man City recently. But a lot of things can happen between then and now. But um, yeah, listen, Brendan Rodgers... He's been so successful and so many trophies have come his way, um, certainly in his time north of the border, but he's, he's found out already what he probably knew anyway. It's a whole lot more difficult in this neck of the woods. Yeah, he won every piece of silverware he could possibly win at Celtic and he was on a run of 32 cup games without defeat until mm. last night. That's quite he remarkable. He won't like that. No? No, he, he won't like that though, I don't think, because if someone's used to winning that many games... You know, in in competitions, it it becomes a habit, and it's he's won that many. That you know, it's almost an, an affront to him to to lose one, isn't it? And especially when they they were favourites, not like Leicester have gone into I don't know up against the big boys and come unstuck. But um, I don't think he'll like that. Yeah, personally, I don't, you know, I don't think he'll blame anyone or begrudge anyone or hold it against his players, but. He's not used to losing in those situations and he won't want it to happen again anytime soon. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands including established names and -and up-and-coming designers. 
Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X.co.uk forward slash athletic. It could still be a very memorable season for Leicester City because... Uh, they've got uh, home draw in the FA Cup now, either Birmingham City or Coventry City, yeah. for a place in the quarterfinals of uh, the FA Cup. I mean, that's been always been the holy grail for, for Leicester fans because they've never won it four final appearances and no victory. Plus, as well, the 14-point gap in the Champions League places. And it feels like it's going to be a massive weekend in terms of that as well with Chelsea coming to the King Power Stadium for the early kickoff on Saturday. And Man United, who are in fifth. Big games, aren't they? Taking yeah. on Wolves as well. Yeah. This could be a really big weekend. In that Ma- in Man City, Tottenham as well. Yeah. Isn't it as well? So, yeah, as usual, there's a lot to play for. In the Premier League, games come thick and fast, don't they? But it's probably, I say ideal. It's ideal if you get a result, if you win it. But a lot of people will be looking forward to that, you know, rather than, let's say, I don't know, a, a Burnley away fixture. Well, we know what happened there recently, anyway. But yeah, it's um, uh, people have been speaking about this sort of in the background. This game, saying it would be a good or decent indication of is exactly where Leicester stand. Really, they know where they are in terms of league position, but just in in terms of you know, how their their game is going, how things may progress in certainly in the short term. In terms of the Premier League, you know where they'll finish up. If they can get a decent performance and even more importantly a decent result against Chelsea, standing in very good stead all of a sudden, wouldn't it? And memories of last night would already be diminished to an, to an extent with the prospect of the FA Cup lying ahead as well. And you know that's a reasonable tie. Whoever goes through from Coventry and Birmingham, but um, you know Chelsea, that, that their form is indifferent. They can be. Very good, can't they, on on their day? But they're also inconsistent and they're, they're beatable as well. So you know, it's got all the makings of a real feisty encounter, isn't it? But, um, I mean, it, it's not necessarily Leicester to Chelsea that City fans are worried about, or Foxes fans. It's Leicester to whoever's in fifth at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That's the important factor, really, isn't it? And at the moment... I'm sure some people will have nerves again after after the, the defeat in the cup, and they did a week or so ago. There was a bit of panic setting in already, even when they were still 11 points clear, 14 points clear. It's a hell of a gap. Yeah, you can't see them losing that now, really, and, and having a massive decline. I mean, I think the last Leicester side really to have a, a huge decline like that was the Peter Taylor side of 2001, yeah. when they won one of the final 11 games and lost the other 10. It's going to take something like that, but there were reasons for that then. Yeah, you were involved, weren't you, around well, that time? That's so. one of the reasons, because <laughs> <laughs> I was part of the team. But um, I was going to say joking aside, but part of that element of that is true. I wasn't at my best, um, as were quite a few of the players weren't. All due respect to Peter Taylor, he didn't bring in the right players, um, style of play, etc. Everything starts to go on a slippery slope. These players are too good for that. The manager's yeah, too good for that. Yeah, they? Yeah, that's not going to happen again. So, um, 
like to put Fox's fans' minds at rest in that instant. I mean, don't get me wrong, European Champions League football is not guaranteed at this moment in time, but I don't really see it going wrong. And there's some talented individuals in there that did perform particularly well, I thought, last night, James Madison. Harvey Barnes as well, these youngsters. I mean, yeah. the, the learning curve they're on at the moment yeah. is quite steep. Yeah, I, I just... Oh, Harvey, I just... I know him personally. Uh, I know his dad. Played against his dad on a boxing day once, years ago. And he... he <laughs> Oh, long story, but uh, uh, it, it, I thought the game was going to be called off for Scunthorpe against uh, York. It was I thought the game was going to be called off, so I didn't prepare myself <laughs> professionally, shall we say? And I paid the price for that. We lost five nil, and Paul Barnes got all five. I was marking him, but, um, <laughs> so I learned the error of my ways in that instance. Anyway, quick sidetrack. But um, Harvey, he's got so much raw talent, hasn't he? And he's a powerhouse. He's a you know, strong athlete. Um, he can terrorise fullbacks as he did on occasion last night against Villa. But, um, just, just still very much developing, isn't he? To bring that consistency to his game. But there, I think there's a special player there in, in the making. But um, he shows flashes of it. You know, he's just waiting for it all to click into place, aren't you? But Madison's quality player, I like him. Central is his best position, I think. I think so as well. He, 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 hasn't, last night, he hasn't got that athletic ability or power about him. That the Barnes has, <laughs> you know, if, if you had Barnes and Madison mix that into one player, then you are talking, aren't you? But he, he's so he's intricate with his plays, intelligent, isn't he? Good body movement, lovely touch, great awareness, Madison. You know, he, he's a super football talent. But I think when he's out wide, he can get outstripped by fullbacks, etc., or not have, have as much influence. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm not detracting from his abilities, but he's um. Yeah, no, he's, he's an exceptional player and he's got to be knocking on the door for England, hasn't he? I think so in time. But probably the European Championship is probably a bit early for him. I don't know. Do you, do think, you think if he has a right blind of the rest of the season? Do you think he can force his way in? I'm, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, let's hope so. And Grealish too, I think. If he can add a few more goals to his uh, Yeah, his he gets his fair share, doesn't he? He's always got the, the set piece. Mm. You know, He's always got free kicks. Uh, he can throw that into, into the hat as well, can't he? But no, I, I think... Maybe not starting, mm. although you wouldn't let anyone down. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there about recruitment, the importance of recruitment um, during the Peter Taylor era. Now we're coming to the end of the January transfer window. Leicester City haven't signed anybody yet. They're still trying to get somebody in before the deadline. The two names that keep being mentioned, Yannick Vestergaard at Southampton and Ben Davies at Preston, the two uh, defensive options for them. At the, the, at the time of speaking, um, there's nothing particularly close at the moment. Yeah. But they want to get somebody over the line, don't they? Seems that way, doesn't it? Even if it's relatively short term. You know, I, we spoke about Vestergaard last week, didn't we? And I, th you know, I have to admit, I was sort of mildly surprised. I didn't think he was the type of player that maybe Leicester would be looking for. Not that there's anything wrong with his play, but um, yeah, it's, it seems that there's definitely been inquiries made. For sure, and uh, yeah, they need that extra cover. Don't know where's Morgan, thirty-six in the week. Unbelievable level of performance from him mm -hmm. that he's been producing, especially when he's in and out, not getting in any real rhythm. But perhaps feeling the effects a little bit of wear and tear creeping in because he's suffering a bit now after the Brentford game, isn't he? As well, by all accounts. So they probably do. Benkovic, they're not convinced about. I want him to go out and loan. Yeah, they're they? not convinced more about experience. him, aren't they? So. Yeah, it seems nailed on. That certainly, they're trying to get someone because 
Hell of a lot of games to go. Very important ones, aren't there? And whoever comes in will have to do an initiation. Yes. Uh, it seems to be the tradition at all the football clubs, but Leicester in particular, they're uh, very keen on the old uh, karaoke initiation. Uh, but um, you've, <laughs> you've experienced some rather different initiations over the years, haven't you, Matt? But I certainly have, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't remember ever getting uh, called up to do the old karaoke singing, which is... Thankful for everyone. With your voice. Oh, yeah. A bit of Barry White, maybe. <laughs> that was it. But the um, main one that sticks out in my mind was my time at Oxford United when I went down there, which was a hilarious scenario. Um, it happened many, many times with many different players. But basically, any new player coming come to the club got an initiation ceremony from a gentleman called Terry. His surname escapes me. Um, for some reason right now, but he's a right old character. He's an amateur dramatic society member. Okay? And he's a big, chunky, scary-looking individual, right? And so, anyway, the, the story is, in my case, turn up for training, first day in there. I knew the goalkeeper, Phil Whitehead, who'd been at Scunthorpe with me, and he liked a night out. So we're training in this local park, you know, people walking their dogs and stuff like this. And I see this big, burly character walking down the far end of the park, and... Uh, He's got a big bottle of like two litre Lambrusco <laughs> in his hand. And he's swaggering around and swaying everywhere. And I said to him, Phil Whitehead, I went, all right, Phil, Bubs, who's his nickname, Bubs, looks like he's been out with you last night. Uh, uh, just a casual comment. Phil Whitehead didn't really acknowledge it. I thought that's a bit weird. In hindsight, I know he knew something was going on. Anyway, so Dennis Smith's the manager, ex-Sunderland manager, Stoke player, Stoke stalwart. Um, he, he took me to Oxford. He's there. And so we're having a bit of run around the park, stop and do a few stretches, overcomes this tramp-looking figure who you know, looks a bit worse for wear, swinging the bottle around, and he's effing and blinding, and all of a sudden he starts shouting my name. Where's that, Elliot? And all that. I'm like, this is a bit weird. But I was, all of a sudden I started focusing on it. The lads have sort of split away from me. Before I know it, he's like zoning in on me, swinging this bottle in and around me. So next minute he went, right, prepare to die. What? You're on about what? The bottle, you're not. T- opens his coat up, pulls out a gun, <laughs> points it right at me. Whoosh, my courage has gone out the window. I'm off. I've just legged it across the field. Lads, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. They're, Watch out, they're all playing up to the part. Next minute, you can hear them laughing. They're, I look around, they're on the floor. I'm running off, looking at my shoulder. I see them on the floor. They're all giggling. I'm, What's going on there? Terry comes running over and he, he, he just introduces himself. Sorry about that, mate. He said, um, introduce myself, uh, Terry from Oxford. Welcome to Oxford United Football Club. Pleased to meet you. I was like, you <laughs> bugger. <laughs> well, it might be the end of the, that initiation uh, <laughs> ritual, shall we say, but it's also the end of uh, this edition of 5,000 to 1 as well. Don't forget, all the Leicester City news is on the Athletic website and app. And join us again next week when Matt will be regaling you with some more stories <laughs> from his time as a professional footballer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Thank you.